myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters. It is the Three Amigos. It's a pre-recorded version, uh, no live shows this week, and this is a shortened version of the Amigos as well, but uh, still gives you an hour's fix of me, Steve Hasty, and Mitch. So good evening, chaps, in a slightly different uh, format tonight, but we still got all the, the usual classics in there, Tweet of the Week, uh, etc. Even got a bit of Andre looking ahead to the Spurs game. But um, what I wanted to do was, we've done a podcast um, for this week with Ben Jacobs, and I'm going to ask you the same questions he asked Ben. And first and foremost, Steve, it is um, almost six months since the owners took over Newcastle United, PIF, Amanda and Mia Dad and Jamie Rubin. Um, I'm going to ask you how you think the, the, you know, the new owners have done. What is your half-term report, if you like? <laughs> The six monthly review. Yeah. Um, well, let's face it. It's been a it's been a breath of fresh air, hasn't it? That that this six months compared to what we've had in the previous fourteen years, an absolute breath of fresh air. It's uh, it's chalk and cheese, and it's 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 kind of what we expected. I think you know, in, in all of the the conversations that we'd had in the intervening two or three years, knowing the type of personalities, uh, the type of people. Um, the way that they've handled themselves with dignity throughout the whole of the, uh, the, the the process of the takeover, I think it's just it's just been a continuation this last six months. Um, I think from a from a purely fan perspective, as I say, a breath of fresh air. The fact that we've got some great dialogue going on with the owners, they seem very very much uh, bought into the whole of of what Newcastle United is really about, what the fans are really about. Um, they, they've they've kept themselves to themselves in some respects. You know, there, there hasn't been sort of you know all over the media in terms of you know match of the day or um, appearing on football focus or anything of that nature. It's been very much uh, the way that doing what they want, talking at the time that they want to. But ninety nine percent of it has been interacting with the fans and. For me, that is the absolute perfect recipe uh, when it comes to Newcastle United, bringing everybody on board. The the you know the the whole ethos of the club um, was was a mess and it needed changing. And I think it, it's 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 at that point where we're we've gone from phase one into the next phase. Um, you know the business side of the of the of the of the company will change when we get a, a chief executive in and a director of football. But from where we are from last October and now, it's just absolutely, you know, a rock solid, um, one hundred percent. Everybody behind what's happening on the football pitch, the club, the 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 feeling around the city, everything, and it's because of of the personalities involved. And I think it's. It, their personality is rubbing off on everybody else. The friendly, the smiles, um, kind of complain, can we, Steve? No, definitely not. I think the PR side of it's been really important, Steve. I think the, um, you know, the fact that they've gone out of the way to, to help the food bank, which you're, you know, you're involved with, um, to support the women's football team. We, we've seen the great news. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, of course, that uh, the women's team will actually be playing at St James's Park on the first of May. And I've urged people on social media to to get themselves along and support the women. It's only three quid a uh, three quid entry on the day. It will be fantastic to get fifty two thousand there. But 
from my perspective, I just think that they've gone out of the way to do do the simple things right. And I think that will continue to happen. That you know, once the season comes to its its end and Newcastle are safe and in the Premier League again, I think then they'll start to formulate that plan for for other things and and reach out and probably meet other fans and supporters groups, which is great, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, taking the women's football as an example, I mean, the girls play in a, you know, a, a much maligned league in terms of, you know, where they are, where they've come from. I mean, the, the, the girls' team is, is, or the women's team has run through the foundation at the moment. Um, it always was. Uh, you know, Mike Ashley was, used to, to, to underwrite the girls' and the women's team. Um, they play about three divisions, I think, below the, the, the Premier League. So there's an awful lot of, uh, of distance for them to come. But that can happen that and that can happen very very quickly with the financial support um and with the coaching and with the girls attitude because it seems to be absolutely first class at the moment i think if any of the of the the sections of the club that suddenly seems to have blossomed it seems to be the the women's football team you know the 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 the, the media um that the club's putting out the way that the girls are being treated um and i think that's absolutely superb a lot of them are just College girls, you know, girls that have that have come through basically what in lads' terms would be junior football, um, and they're on a they're on a journey, um, and you know when if it if it got to the the point where the, the Premier League, some of those girls might not make it, but it does fantastically for them to to push for a career because they're right at the very start of what could be something very very special for uh, Newcastle women. I mean, we go back um, talking about the women's football team. You, you and I, Steve, if you remember, back in 2011, 2012, when they were they couldn't even get shirts from the football club. You know, we helped and we we tried to do do an awful lot through NEFC Fans United in, ter in terms of trying to organise an event or get them some kit and get them some publicity and get stuff in the newspapers because the, the the club wouldn't even give them and wouldn't even allow them at one point to even wear the black and white stripes. You know that that's. That's what it was like back in those days. And um, we, now you see that the, the complete sea change. I mean, it's only a few years ago that they, 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 were, they started to wear um, the advertising. So that was the sort of the club embracing them, as I say. And that's when Mike actually realised that he, he had to underwrite the women's football team. Um, and they were running, they still operate through the, through Newcastle United Foundation. Um, but it's, it's now, I think, I think... As they as they mature, as their game gets better, as women's football's profile gets raised in the area, um, because Newcastle United have been behind Gates, uh, been behind Durham, and they've been behind Sunderland for many years in the women's game. Uh, this is an opportunity for the the the, the women's game on Tyneside to actually ex absolutely explode and blossom, as I say. So. That that in itself is a is a great great move by the club, um, and I wish the girls all the best. And I do hope that they they do get a, a good attendance. And you never know, we might have a we might have a food back collection point at the match day if we know we're going to get fifty two thousand and everybody can support the community because the girls, you know, the girls team, especially the foundation themselves, have been very very supportive of the work that we've done uh, on the match day with the collections etc. Uh, you know, with volunteers and uh that type of thing so uh it, it's all it's all looking really really good on that side steve yeah and and as for the pr yeah i mean pr is the is the it's the big thing isn't it it was it was always going to be 
the starting point for whatever Newcastle United were going to move to. That we knew there were going to be there was going to be the difficulty with the links with Saudi. We knew there was going to be difficulties with the move from sort of the Mike Ashley era into now. I mean, the takeover, the the stick that was always going to come our way as a football club, um, the sudden spotlight on the fans as well as the city. Um, in terms of the in terms of being linked with uh, the the Saudi state and the 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 break between the Saudi state and PIF, all of that was a spotlight that was going to be on the region, and I think the club have handled it really really well. And I think we'll probably cover a little bit more about that when we talk about how Eddie Howe has done, um, because again that that's another feature of of the PR exercise or the PR and the importance of of good PR and the importance of, of well briefed um, members of the football club. Um, and their officers and 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 the playing staff. Yeah, Mitch, it's been. Uh, oh, he's gone. Where was he, Mitch? Oh, um, yeah, he's gone, <laughs> he's gone, but he's back. Um, your your take on the your take on the owners, then, mate. It's it's difficult to say anything other than what Steve said. But you know, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be devil's advocate because <laughs> you, you, you can't we can't say it. It's entirely being sweetness and light, and and so let's look at what I think. Could have been done differently. Um, I think they've done amazingly. I think they've handled so much yeah. and so much shite thrown around and the, the gotcha questions from Tarek Pania at, at that football uh, event arranged by the Times, you know, that then um, enabled the press to take Amanda's words and bend them a little bit and take sound bites and, and find another stick to beat with and all of that. I think the the way the takeover went through, I think there was a week, ten days of a, almost like a dad's army don't panic situation. There was a little bit of a scramble around, like, oh my God, it's happening, it's happening, don't panic, don't panic, it's happening. I think everybody, including PIF, were caught off guard a little bit. And and I think that that created little opportunities for, again, um, certain people with agenda to have a go. And that weren't always well deflected initially. That's improved exponentially, which is, you know, competent to say that, you know, people aren't afraid to face certain things. Uh, there are no questions that will, will just blank. And so going forward, that bodes well. Um, I do also think in the first couple of weeks, they wanted to be all things to all people. And that's never a good stance to take, in my opinion. You, 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 if you're on in charge of that tiller, you steer the ship where you're going. Because at the end of the day, you're the guys that have fronted up the cash into your ship to sail. Um, I think the the are sometimes prone to listen to too many people at too much of a time, and then you almost get a committee-type decision, and committee decisions are never bloody good ones, to be fair. But again, a lot of that seems to have stopped and slowed down a little. Yeah. Do you think, Mitch, that... that, that... In the early days, they perhaps weren't aware of some of the bear traps that were being laid for them. Yes. Uh, I think they yeah. certainly now know not just the bear traps. Absolutely. But the <laughs> and, uh, absolutely. And I, and I also think there were still people attached to the club who were absolutely embedded and enshrined in Ashley's way of doing things over 14 years. And they were un unable, stroke unwilling, to change the way they were doing things. And that meant the message that was getting from the top wasn't getting down and out to certain parts of the club and certain individuals the way it should have been. And again, I think they've taken time to work that out and work it out very cleverly. 
I think. Um, and I think, again, there's, there's still certain things there that need to be changed. But they're not important. They're not the, they're not the vital things. They, they, they've got whittled it down to the vital things that involve us staying in the Premier League and then everything else can be done in the summer. Um, and I think certain individuals have been identified um, and will continue to be identified and things will change. But it's not a vital, the day-to-day -day running of that first team that is the most important part of the show at the moment. The rest will come. Um, and I think also uh, the there seemed to be a little bit of just too much of a delay in getting Bruce out for me. I think they were too nice. I think they were too nice to Steve Bruce and I think they were too nice uh, with the entire situation with his remaining tenure and about how that was going to be finished. And there was a little bit of... Uh, it, it's almost like when Shepard come out and said he didn't want to shoot Bambi. <laughs> um, and, 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 and so what they did instead, what Shepard did instead was cut his jugular vein and watch him bleed out. Um, and um, it, there was a little bit of that with Bruce, I think. And I think that created a little bit of un unnecessary uncertainty within the fan base. Um, and possibly... See, the thing is, there's certain things we don't know and we can't know about why things were done in a timeline that they were. There may have been actually quite a, 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 a logistical or a logical reason why you had to stay at a certain point. Um, so there's things in there would you, I'd be genuinely guessing that as to why. Yeah. An idea, but I'd be guessing. And so, I, but I do think that created a little bit of additional early... In additional areas early on where people would have a dig with which they just didn't need. Why we're not getting football people in? Why don't we have a director of football? Why don't we have this? Well, I think what they've done is they've seen that presentation that Eddie Howe gave and looked at that and thought, bloody hell, this is fantastic. And we don't need X and we don't need Y straight away. We've got the blueprint here that will hopefully keep us in the Premier League and then what we worry about and take our time to make the right appointments. I think by doing it that way, it opened up things like things like the appointment of Ashworth. In a calm and considered and a long term game, rather than a quick who's my person in football that we need to fix this. And I think that that's created a very different dynamic, I think, which I think they have to be applauded for. But equally, at the same time, it did leave a little 10-day, two-week window where there was a lot of squeaky bums on Tyneside about what, what we're doing, what we're doing, what we're doing. Uh, and so, you, you know what it is? It, it, I can't say anything other really than what you said, Steve, about it all. The positivity, the interaction with fans. You know, uh, we're pre-recording this when everybody's still over in Dubai. I shared something with you that I was sent through the week. There's no need for somebody to do that. No need to be reached out to in, in that kind of way. A amazing. Yeah. Black is black is, is to white with Ashley's time at the club. And long may it continue. Um, I think they've done very, very well, but I think they've, they've had a, 
a learning curve that has been a lot steeper than I think they thought it was going to be. Can can I can I ask you both? Do you, do you think do you think the fans have to take a bit of responsibility there for that ten days? Do you think that you think among the fans was so many of us looking for that night of the long knives where they were going to come out and it was going to be some sort of slash and burn exercise that was going to take place and the whole thing was going to change and it was going to be done immediately and you know whether or not it didn't that didn't happen simply because as Steve you mentioned earlier it happened so quickly it came about at, at a point when you know it took everybody by surprise because you know that weekend we we suddenly heard this could be on i mean we did whispers for a for a couple of weeks and you know things were popping off and all the stuff that was going on but we'd heard that that sort of tiny whisper that that weekend um and didn't know whether there was any truth in it but i think I think that was possibly, and I'm, I'm wondering whether you agree that that was the same with the, within the club. That you know, within the buy inside, it, it suddenly the whole thing toppled on them, and it was like, God, what do we do now? You know? Yeah, I think it was definitely a case of that. I mean, I went to see Mia Dad the following day, um, you know, after the takeover, and it was very much, uh, you know, wow you know, this is just incredible. We can't believe it. But yeah, I mean, there was, you know, had it been in the summer uh, when they were when they were looking looking to get the club, I think it would have been a lot different. But yeah, I think give or take the, the fact that that's happened and the way it's happened, I think they regained, I think they dusted themselves off. I think they regained their composure. I agree with Mitch with a lot of the things he says, um, but I think it was only to be expected that some of those things would have happened with, with, with this complete, like, you know, explosion of the suddenly yeah. the clubs suddenly the clubs yours, and then I think over that first four weeks, the realization of how weak the squad was, not necessarily how poor the team was, how weak the squad was, how unfit the team was, and how um, much of a mess Ashley had actually left the club in because they they did due diligence, they came in and they knew what the finances were. But they hadn't had that opportunity to walk around the training ground, to yeah. walk around St James's Park, um, to speak to staff, um, and and that kind of thing only really comes when you've got the keys to the door. And I yeah. genuinely think that once they got in, they realised, wow, we've got a big job here. And the blessing was that the staff that he managed to retain are good staff. Do you know what I mean? It was on a skeleton staff that people might actually kept were actually good staff. And it's the one thing I heard, I've heard from me and dad since he took over was that, you know, we've got some great people here and we just need to, we just need to give them some help is what he said. And, well, and I've, I, seen I something, he I've seen something very similar with Chelsea and the government. The government <laughs> have rocked up and said, right, I'm going to, we're going to have this football club and we're going to sell it. And then somebody, the government's looked at the finances and got, fuck, what can we do with this? Get it sold quickly. And now all of a sudden, you know, as of yesterday as we're recording, Abramovich can suddenly now put 30, 30 million a month in. Oh, does that just cover the wages? I'm sure it does. Yeah. You know, they've gone total panic mode. And I think, you're right, Steve, I think probably certain things they genuinely didn't realise what a state parts of our club were in. And I know it's something we've been banging on and on and on about for months, stroke years. Um, 
but that's easy for us. It's our club and we deal with that day in day out. You know, anybody who's had issues with certain parts of, say, the ticket office or certain parts of, you know, the other sides of the hospitality side of the club, you know, um, of course we're going to see that in much more candid ways because we're dealing with it day in day out. And I, and I think you're quite right, Steve. I think I think that you make a good good counterpoint there. I have, you know what, I have visions there. I have visions of you, Steve, chatting to Mia Dad and Mia Dad doing his old Bobby Robson, a Gary Lineker bit. And he's going, I mean, look, look at the wood on these doors. Look at these doors. Aren't they fantastic? <laughs> and then half an hour later, <laughs> the training ground and guns burn them doors. That crap. <laughs> it's like chalk and cheese. And you imagine the difference between what he saw at St. James's Park and then what he saw when he went down to the training ground. It's just, I'm, 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 I'm not going to be able to get this out of my head for the next half hour now. <laughs> It's true though, isn't it? It's true. Okay, um, as I say, we're only doing an hour tonight. We've got a lot to cram in, so here's the DI mess. Day I met where we ask you to send in photographs of you meeting players, managers, former players, former managers, uh, and uh, we've got some belters this week. Uh, thanks to LB, who says he had a nice kick out, uh, kick about with Ollie Bernard. Oh, hey, <laughs> which uh, is great. So thank you, Elburn. And uh, then we got this one from Elburn. Oh, with Sir Bobby. Wow. <laughs> wow. So two absolute belters there. Uh, this one was from Nick. He says, a couple of my nephew when he met KK. One is when he was playing head tennis with KK. Joining the Tony oh. Blair there with uh, with his, yeah. <laughs> with his uh, head tennis. I cut the name off this one, so I'm not sure who this is, but he met Colocini and a very oh. drunk Onas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It might be Mark Byers. It might well yeah. be Mark Byers, but I did cut the I did cut the name off. And I love this one. Uh, this one was from uh, Declan. He goes, "Here's me grandson doing the Shira celebration." <laughs> Fantastic, brilliant. Fantastic. Get your um, photographs into us for the day I met, and we will show them uh, every Friday. <laughs> Part of the show, then, lads, is um, half term report on Eddie Howe, uh, Steve. Right, how's he done? Um, looking back, he's done the last couple of well, since the turn of the year, he's done absolutely fantastic. I mean, take it back to the very start. I think I was one of the people who, after the first five or six games, felt you know, and as it reminded everybody on uh, the podcast that you yeah. did recently with the lads unloaded. Um, I was one of those who was going, oh, hang on a minute. What's going on here? Because I didn't see the change. I I, I didn't see the change. I, I was pleased with Eddie Howe got the job. But what I wasn't seeing on the pitch in terms of the performances was anything that seemed different. I, I think the players were still in the same mindset. I think they were still struggling between uh, identifying how they could play through the transitions of from 
defence to midfield, from midfield to attack. I think we had players that that were still playing in those square pegs, or they were the square pegs still trying to be fitted into those round holes. I think Eddie was finding his feet. The, the the fixtures weren't that good to him, but at the same time, I, I literally wasn't seeing anything. Um, and if I if when I look back, I remember the the quotation or the quote that was that was given or that we were that we were given was that Eddie was going to give them eight eight to ten games, and after eight to ten games, some of them might find they're out in their ear, um, if they don't if they don't produce the goods, because that was the sort of you know, there's loads of money to be spent, the club's rolling cash. This is what's going to happen, you know, because if those players can't book their ideas up, they'll be out. That was it. So it started around about the, just before Christmas, we started to see something. But I was, I was still, you know, extremely disappointed, especially when it got to the Cambridge game. And, and I thought, well, this is an opportunity for, you know, the pressure's off. We might see, it, might see them start to put a performance in them frankly put in one of the worst performances of the season um and then all of a sudden it started to tick that whether it was the work that he was doing on the training pitch whether it was that combined with the with the attitude of the players whether it's purely a coincidence that that we'd signed um Trippier who came into the changing room like a breath of fresh air but also as a model pro um with his with his whole different mindset and 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 he shook a few people up, um, and then people start to think, "Well, hang on a minute. If this is the caliber of player that we're going to be that I'm going to be playing alongside, I'm going to, have to pull my socks up here." And then all of a sudden, it just seemed to all seems to have all fallen into place. And I, I read somewhere that that's the best run of results that we've had um, since we're promoted under Rafa. You know, that's the best run that we've that we've that we've had. And that, cu coupled with the fact that we, we were sitting there absolutely rock bottom, 19th out of 20, and a team that was cast adrift below us, and now to see where we are, um, it's nothing short of remarkable. And that has to go primarily down to Eddie Howe, his organisational skills, his man management, and the manner in which he's conducted himself, the three key areas for me, um, that have made um, this run so successful. And even when I look at the two games that we've just lost, um, both 1-0, both goals right at the very end, lack of concentration, just a, a slight slip up and not quite getting the rub of the green. Um, and that tells you that even... And, and you just saw the way, the way that the players reacted. They were... They were really, really annoyed with themselves that they'd let that go because that's the fighting mentality that they had. Um, so I've, I've got to give them an eight out of ten if, if we're talking about marks. Um, I've gone up from me seven to an eight out of ten. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting like that bloke on Strictly. I am um, um, getting a ten, off, getting a ten off Len. Yeah, apparently I'm nearly as old as him, according to some people. So. <laughs> Mitch, half-term report on Eddie Howe, then, mate. Yeah, I mean, you, Steve's mentioned the, the loaded podcast I did, and I did, did one with the Arab News, and I make, make no uh, apologies for Nick and Ali Khaled's uh, this, summation of it all. He was the sports editor at Arab News. He, he broke it down really, really well. And he said, look, you've got three phases to Eddie Howe's managerial. Tenure, the, the first third where not a lot seemed to be happening. 
there really wasn't a new manager bounce. We didn't get any reaction like that, um, which was very unexpected. Everybody expected a new manager bounce and it just didn't seem to appear. Then the middle third way seemed to be getting more organised. And you could see that there was change, but that wasn't necessarily reflected 100% in the results on the pitch. But what he did do during that time, that was the time when things like Joe Linton was reborn as a central midfielder, not as a as a lost forward. That was the time when suddenly we started to look more organised. That was the time when the January window started to open and he started to bring his buys in. And he brought character in, in terms of the, the trip you're saying and it was huge for the dressing room, massive. Big, big voice in that dressing room um, has added a lot to the to, to, to the the squad and the team and the atmosphere. Look at what he's doing there. You know, even even on crutches, popping up with the games, wanting to be asking specifically, can I still be involved? I want to be around the the guys. It would be easy for him to have said to you know everybody, all right, you're going to Dubai that week. All right, well I'll piss off there a couple of weeks early. I'll be be happy, thanks. But no, he didn't. He's been involved. A gallery's also been a very strong voice in having a word or two with a couple of other players in the squad that have needed a, a, an arm around them or, a, in, or an ear bashing. Um, I think I think in signing him and Target, we've signed the two, probably what I believe is the, potentially the best full-back pairing in the league. Bar none. Bar none. And, and people may criticise us for that, but that's genuinely how I feel about the pair of them as they've come in. Um, Dan Byrne looks like he should have been in our back four for years. Uh, how did how did that one slip away? You know, um, but this is this is he does look have all the hallmarks of a late bloomer when you get them, and uh, thankfully his journey's brought him home, and he he looks looks like he's been part of the fixtures and fitness for years and um, Bruno was introduced in a very sparing way. He had the luxury of not having to throw him in. The former Shelby Willock and Joe Linton as a trio meant Bruno could be just eased in. And that all then came together with that last third which culminated in the two unlucky losses when basically we were just knackered. I think there's nothing else to that mate. We, we, we were both of those games, late goals. When else have we conceded late goals to lose games in this season? Um, when they weren't fit. <laughs> in the f- first half of the season under Bruce, when they weren't fit. Yeah. And they were knackered. After we, we weren't chucked away something like 24 points from winning positions by conceding goals after the 75th minute and on. Um, because they weren't fit. Both of those games, the lads were not had to given it all. We had three away games in the space of nine days. Um, gee, thanks for letting that happen. I know the fixtures have got to be squeezed in somewhere, but there was no no quarter given uh, in terms of where the the, the, the pencil that Everton game. And so, um, how do you rate Eddie's house performance? I think the way in a space of a few days after getting criticism for being and I went went into the, to this a little bit in depth last night when I was talking to the lads from Loaded about, you know, why 
on what type of questions coach could and should Eddie Howe be asked. And sadly, because he's that accessible and he's a figurehead at the club, he'll be asked all those questions all day long. Um, and even in a short few-day period, his handling of the media suddenly improved tenfold, which shows he's grown and developing as well and is open to being guided by media people who put an arm around him and say, right, because I still say refusing to engage with certain questions doesn't mean you're ducking or ignoring the issues. Mm. You're just not wanting to be got with a custard pie off Tarek Panya. You know, and, and I shouldn't keep using his name, really, but it usually is him. Um, you know, and, and so... It, 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 well, so. <laughs> well, I, but, you know, it, it just because you, you can turn around and say, look, my expertise is the football side of things, which is quite within his rights to say. Um, when people are criticising him for saying it, 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 he's in within his rights to do that and he doesn't mean he's ducking any issues. What he just doesn't want to do is give them half a lane that they can turn into something dramatic on the back and front pages and come and have a beat of the club again. And, and the way he changed how he handled it in a very short period of time shows he's still growing and understanding the role and understanding his place in the dynamic of this. And I'm quite sure he sat down with the owners while they've been away <clears throat> and probably formulated a more unified method of dealing with some of this. Yeah. You mentioned there about the bounce or the lack of a bounce. I think what didn't help was the fact that Aston Villa got a bounce when they brought Gerard in and Norwich got a bounce when they brought Smith in. So those aspects of what was happening at other clubs and then the lack of something put the spotlight more on Newcastle than, it, than we imagined it would, you know? Even from the local press. Yeah. The Macnams got a little bounce after they had sacked their manager as well. So he, he, he couldn't get away from it locally either. <laughs> he, he still potentially had local, local press saying, well, hang on a minute, there's a bounce happened there. Why, why hasn't it happened here? Um, and I compare an apples and pears, really. But it's, it, it's, it's important that, you know, he didn't have any way to hide. <laughs> he was yeah. exposed to that everywhere. And it doesn't help, does it, when you get to that point where the media, where people are going, where's the bounce? You know, mm -hmm. as a, what a, you know, with, with Jared, for example, oh, look at that. You know, he's come in there and he's changed this and he's changed that straight away. And they've, they've had five wins on the belt or five out of seven. I and think yet, the, 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 the other way around, it was like, well, where is it? As though it was expected. As though, as though yeah. it's important. if you change your manager, you get a bounce. And it because it didn't happen in the first two or three games, that was it. The spotlight was very, very much on I, it and, I, and we were being watched in all directions. I think the difference is, though, Steve, um, that there still remained a faith in the process from the fan base. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think I get why, is that, Again, while Bruce was in charge, the amount of time our football intelligence as a fan base was criticised. We were told what we were seeing wasn't what we were seeing. Yeah. It was all smoke and mirrors. There's improvement happening. There were some journalists defending Bruce to the hilt about, well, you know, it's a difficult job and you've got to turn this around. You're two and a half years into it, into it, a job. And he's still coming out with some of the tripe he was coming out with. And we were told black was white and we couldn't see what we were seeing. And we knew fine well what we were seeing. Conversely, 
there were things happening on the pitch that we could see. There were changes being made that we could see. We could see that we were more organised and we could see we were less panicky and for all the results weren't coming. We weren't getting the shellackings that we were, we were taking. You could see there was a steady improvement happening. And then with Joe Linton turning himself into a cult hero during that process, we could see this happening. And we knew who was responsible for this. And it wasn't the new owners. It was Eddie Hell. Yeah. And I think the fan base stuck with it. And I think credit to our lot, home and away, who backed the lads and got behind it and stuck with it and didn't get antsy and jittery, even though some of them were. Yeah. Internally, some of them were, were like ducks. Got on the surface and the legs gone frantically underneath the surface. Yeah. And, and that, I think, goes throughout the fan base worldwide from what I've discussed with lads and lasses around the globe in the last couple of weeks, you know. I think everybody had that same sort of, well, we're not, we haven't seen a bounce, but we're going to stick with this and we're trusting with it. Yeah. And I, and I think that's because we have football intelligence as a fan yeah. base. Yeah, a perfect example being how many Newcastle fans got to the point just before Christmas with... If we go down, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, because because we're in this for the long term. I, I, if that under Ashley, that would there would have been it was riots on the streets time when you you know yeah. come out with something like I, that. I when I came back at Christmas, yeah. That's right. I couldn't put my finger on the vibe because it wasn't what I was expecting to be coming back to. No. It, it it felt like being in the pub almost entertainers time. And I'm thinking we're sitting second bottom and we're, you know, if this was a boxing match, the, the, the corner would be hovering with a towel in the hand, you know, and 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 yet it wasn't that vibe at all. Mm. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay, time for our next segment. It is Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, where we ask you to uh, tag us. In something on Twitter, and we will uh, have a look at it and have a laugh at it, or uh, take it seriously, whatever. And uh, Rachel, I love this one. To all the people moaning about the signage at Whitechapel Tube Station, do you propose that all English translations should be removed from stations, airports, menus, etc., in other countries around the world? Half of you couldn't even order a beer in Benidorm if that happened. Very <laughs> clever. I did like that. That was, that was really good. Uh, Jay Bell uh, had this one. To the Batmobile. Um, F off, Robin. Uh, have you seen the price of unleaded? We'll have to run. <laughs> That's true. Ugly Camel. I do like Ugly Camel's content. Every Toon fan today. Uh, sorry about the red legs, he says. I just love the picture. That's just us strutting around. <laughs> <laughs> I picked this one up just because it was bizarre. Is cheese racist on Jeremy Vine? What? <laughs> well, is it? <laughs> Okay. Ian Hull, again, somebody with great content. Give him a follow. I just found this old tape, so I gave it a play. I don't recommend it at all. Head cleaner, the worst band ever. <laughs> ah, that's a niche joke for a generation. It is, isn't it? It is. Um, Holly's dad, Dave, features on this. Uh, I've got to be honest, I was speaking, I was standing obviously next to Dave's dad, but uh, Newbrook goes, back of that guy's head has a face on it. <laughs> <laughs> it actually does, doesn't it? It's uh, that is that is a great spot, by the way. Uh, 
Steve, this was funny as well. This one, I'll let you have that one. Yes, on <laughs> when you realise you aren't the best Bruno in the Premier League anymore. Brilliant. This, oh, that's the wrong thing. It was this one uh, next. Uh, love these two. That's a great photograph, isn't it? It is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Look at him. It's just, that's Alan, isn't it? Just it's not, unlike the one I saw earlier, which was him and Ian Wright, where he's got his specs, his sunglasses on. That two of them are sitting there with their glasses, sunglasses, drinking, drinking Guinness. And I'm thinking, God, is Alan wearing those glasses in case so that nobody recognizes him? <laughs> Fantastic, great stuff. Keep them coming in. We do like to see your tweets. Uh, as I say, a short and sure this week, so not as many, but uh, keep them coming in. We love seeing them. Uh, yeah. thanks very much. <laughs> Big shout out to our sponsors, SpiderVPN, for all your internet security. Google SpiderVPN. They come up at the top of the search list. They are the boys to trust. Thanks to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to LNG Family Funeral Directors, 01913897245. And to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists, www.gohd.com. Thanks to Arcot Interiors. You can find them at the bottom of Heaton Road. For all your kitchen interiors, Google Arcot Interiors. They come up at the top of the Google search list as well. Thanks to qtechshop.co.uk. The makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle. And the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. Thanks to Kleekai. Meet the new game over screen. Drop into a Clear Run device near you. Available on Apple Store, Google Play, and Clearrun.game. Check out Jab Signature at jabsignature.co.uk. And thanks to Media Arts for help with video work. You can subscribe to the channel by clicking the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right hand corner. And you can subscribe for free. We still do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up to like the video. Click share to share to your social media. And drop into the comments box to speak to like minded Newcastle fans. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes. Spotify and the rest usually goes up 24 hours after the show. If you want to become a member and get a scarf, a pen, a cup, and a membership card, then go to nufcmatters.com and look for being a member or put your phone over the QR code uh, and that takes you straight to the membership pack scheme. Uh, you also enter into the monthly draw when you uh, hover over that and join as a member. We're giving away some free car stickers if you're a subscriber. For free, yes, free. So subscribe to the show and receive your free car window sticker. Just go to nufcmatters.com to let us know that you are a subscriber. NUFCfansfoodbank.co.uk is where you make the donation to the Matchday Virtual Bucket. It's open 365 days of the year, so please give generously. And we have got a NUFC Matters live show with Gibbo, Supermac and Holly and myself at Marlborough Social Club, Saturday the 9th of April, 12 noon. Tickets are a tenner from newcastlelegends.com. And don't forget, the Alan Shearer dinner is lumen260dinner.co.uk is the website for more information on that event. And uh, we always like a laugh on here, and the man who gives us a laugh is Elliot Slesser. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
It's always good because he's the same jokes on that little intro, and I can always see Steve in the green room laughing away at the same jokes every week. It's like watching a Joe, it's like watching a Joe Allen show. Um, Elliot Slesser's joke this week is just found out one of the most famous names in hairdressing has died. Poor old Vidal. I didn't expect him to go so soon. Oh, Jesus. Oh, dear me. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Uh, great stuff. All right. Um, I mean, Mitch, you, you stole the thunder a little bit, but let's embellish on what you said about the players. Um, let's just go through the players in order. Uh, Kieran Trippier, first of all, um, give us his six-month review. Leader um, in every way, shape and form uh, and quality. He's an intention of where we're going in terms of the quality of individual and the quality of player we're going to be signing from now on. Haven't they just set themselves a relatively high bar? Um, don't care. Brilliant. He's just been he's been superb. What an absolutely superb addition. He's handled himself so well. Every interview I've seen him do has been spot on. He's obviously gone away to Spain and spent his time with Atletico and absorbed so much. And now seems to have a thirst to give it back everywhere possible. Um, so fantastic. Okay, Chris Wood. You know what? He, I wish he could have added another couple of goals to his uh, tenure. Yeah, so far, but his work rate is unbelievable. He's got a bigger work rate than Adam Pearson, you know. Um, he's uh, work rate unmatched. He's also, yeah, unmatched, absolutely. I, I think he's also an absolutely horrible striker at the mark. He 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 clatters into anything and everything. You can see defenders bouncing off him. You can see people coming to him while he's holding the ball up. Um, some of the little touches he makes and, and has made for through balls for people have been sublime. For a big man, um, typically New Zealander as well. I gather he's hard as nails, but such a lovely guy, and everybody loves him. And that that's seems to be nearly every New Zealander I've met in Dubai. Um, when it kicks off, you want them on your side. <laughs> um, and he's uh, yeah. Um, I think, like I say, I think he gets a bit of criticism for not scoring a lot of goals, but he's never been a very prolific goal scorer. He seems to get them in clutches and batches. He still scores, if you look at his, his stats, I think he still scores a goal every third game, which isn't bad. Um, we just haven't seen enough of that. But in terms of fitting into the system and creating opportunities and space and time for other people being great and his work rate, unmatched. <laughs> okay, um, Matt Target. What an absolute gem of a signing he's been. Um, what would Villa think in signing Digny over hit over him? I, I I don't get that. Um, I, I gather he was Villa's player of the season last season. Uh, what more's the lad got to do? Who's he upset Villa? Because you know, and I think he's also, for me, I think he's quietly he's another. I think he's in a quiet little shit house. He's one of these guys that seems like such a nice guy off the pitch. But on the pitch, I think he's not. And I think that's part of his success. I also think 
he, he takes up for a fullback some really clever positions sometimes. His positional awareness in the back four is really very, very good. Um, and I think that's half the battle. He doesn't need to use speed to catch people up. He doesn't need to be making last-ditch tackles because his starting positions are good. Last but by no means least, the man who stole Matt Ritchie's song, Bruno. Well, um, what an absolute joy it is to see a player who constantly wants the ball. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. You know, if he's going to get clattered from behind and somebody's going to get sent off at some stage very soon because he just he wants the ball in every possible situation. Um, he makes some wonderful... He's got that Brazilian mentality of, of keeping the play moving, keeping the play moving, keeping the play moving. Um, and so some of his work, he, he looks so busy because he's doing these short five, six-yard passes, bang, 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 give, go, give, go, turn it on. But then some of those little flicks he's made for through balls and the audacity to score that back heel goal. Awareness. That's... Um, I think we've only seen a fraction of what he can do. I think the guy is a special player. I think we're going to see more as he settles into a role and we'll see how, if we're going to stick with this formation, which is Eddie Howe's favourite three, favoured three, then he can establish what kind of role he has in that three. Uh, and then, then he'll only get better. Um, I think he's going to terrorise some teams in time once he gets... 100% acclimatism we've had because praise here to John Joe Shelby, never thought I'd say that, to Willick, um, to Joe Linton, never thought we said that at one point, um, and you know, even people like Sean Longstaff who effectively have made it easy for Eddie Howe to integrate Bruno into that team. He hasn't had, had, had to be thrown in. We've had the luxury of easing this, of basically breaking in the engine on my Ferrari. We've not had to hammer it from the day we picked it up from the garage. We've been able to do the first 4,000 kilometres, barely getting into sixth gear, just breaking it in like you should. And I tell you, when we return after this international break, that's all damned. I'm sure we're going to put the throttle down fully and we'll see what Bruno can do. Okay, Steve, same uh, question to you, uh, same order. Trippier yeah. first. Um, the Trippier signing, if, if it's taught me anything, it's to not criticise selections for England simply because they play for other clubs. Because I think what, what one of the things I've always been guilty of is being criticising players that Southgate selected who went, oh, he's only picked them because he played for Tottenham, he's only picked them because he played for Arsenal, etc. I think what we've got with Trippier is we've, we've signed a player that I can now see what the likes of Gareth Southgate can see in terms of quality, in terms of, you know, because my my, my, my sort of blinkered Newcastle sort of view of England and the fact that nobody ever gets selected if you're playing for Newcastle. So for that reason, I criticise everybody who gets selected for England at times. Um, I think what it's done is it, it's opened up a, a new little world for me. 
um, because I'm actually seeing a really, really quality footballer. I'm seeing, I'm seeing somebody who is intelligent. I'm seeing someone who can play. I'm seeing someone that that other players can can learn from immediately. A player who can come into a team and can make such a sea change in terms of performance, in terms of confidence, um, and that's what he's brought to us. Um, a, a gem of a footballer, um, and it shows that there is quality out there. Um, at England level, there is quality within within the England setup. There is quality quality English footballers out there, British footballers. Um, sometimes you don't have to go abroad, as there is a, a, a sort of mentality out there with some some in the media over the last few years that oh, you've got to buy from Spain, you've got to buy from France, you've got to buy from Germany or whatever. Um, I think that what what we're seeing is that that we do have good quality footballers, um, and. Trippier for me, uh, he his whole mindset and attitude since he's come in has been nothing short of superb. Um, we've all learned from him. We've all bounced by it. Um, we've all we're all encouraged by it, and we've taken to him. And he's only played what four games, something like that. You know, uh, the, the injuries come at a, a really awkward time, but because of what he's brought to the squad we haven't really missed them because the other players have, have immediately latched on and immediately likes of Kraft for example they've seen that the way he's played and they think well I can slot in I can cover for that I can do that I can add the extra five percent that's needed into my game and that's that's a combination of of Trippier himself and Eddie Howe um, and what they're doing on the training pitch and I'm sure that we, we, well, we all already have seen the influence that he's having off the pitch in terms of just turning up at games, even with a pot on his foot. You know, he's turning up and he's part of it and he's waving his crutch around there in the photographs after the match, you know, when the when the, the whole squad is together and he's he's part of that togetherness. So uh, for me, a great, great sign and well done to whoever spotted that he was available um, and we got him at the snip. Yeah, I forgot to ask Mitch about Dan Byrne. We'll come back to him. Uh, Matt Target. Matt Target. 30, I think he played 37 out of 38 games for Villa. Um, he was the player of the season, our fans player of the season. And Mitch, you're dead, right? What has he done? Who has he upset at Villa? I think what's happened at Villa is it's been a case of there's a player and an agent being shouting their mouth off, saying we want to get rid of this player. This, my player wants out of Everton, we all know what was going on at Everton, the fallout, and I think McTart's been the the victim of that. Um, I think he's been the scapegoat, um, or he's been the he's been they've, they've looked at him and the, for some reason, um, Gerard's wanted to take the take a punt with Dean whether they want whether they had money to spend. Uh, why do clubs do that? I'm not too sure. Um, in the current financial climate and what's gone on at Everton since, I would, I would hate to 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 make any uh, any sort of statement on that. But for me, they've got rid of a and to our benefit, they've got rid of a really really good footballer, a steady seven and a half out of ten every week. Um, big, strong, um, puts a tackle in, um, always making himself available. Um, I, I, I've, I've mentioned it before where we sit, it's perfectly on level with the way that the defence organises themselves. And you can see that he's part of that organisation. Um, a really, really good signing. Um, again, 
absolutely delighted that that we've got an option to buy. And I think again, the price that we're talking about, um, I think he, as Mitch says, him and and, and Trippier on the other side could form probably the best fullback partnership in the league over the next season or two. Um, I know that there's a fantastic partnership at Liverpool with Trent and, and with Robertson, but you know what? There's no reason why we can't have similar, um, different style of play, but excellent fullbacks nonetheless. Yeah, uh, Chris Wood. Chris Wood, uh, Mitch, Mitch said, hard as nails. You know what Chris Wood reminds me of? He reminds me of Kevin Davies that was at Blackburn. He's one of those players that that, that defenders must hate to play against because he's all elbows, he's all body, he's all shoulder, he's all knocking you about. It's a battle from start to finish. Um, he does an awful lot of work off the ball as well. He hasn't got the goals, and I think people, and especially when you when you come to Newcastle and you're, you're playing what is basically the number nine role, he might not have the number nine on his back, but he's playing the centre-forward role. Um, goals are expected. Um, but what he has done is he's been able to create a focal point for Howe and for the rest of the team to then play off. And I think that's been the benefit that the midfield have had because he's been able to take a lot of that pressure off when the ball's gone forward or when we're looking for moves and you're looking to create the gaps that can then be exploited. I think he's been the absolute perfect foil and I think he came just at the right time. I can't knock his attitude. The only thing I can knock is his lack of goals, um, but that'll come. Um, And as long as the team's winning, I couldn't care less who's getting the goals, you know. Um, I'm sure that if... If he was in sitting alongside you now, he would be saying completely the opposite because he'd be desperate to get goals because that's his job. He's a centre forward. But uh, no, again, I'm I'm pleased that we've got him. And um, without him, we would have been really struggling, really struggling. Would have had ASM up there on his own and um, ploughing a lone furrow, and that in, in itself gives gives you all sorts of nightmares to think about that we could we could have gone in and we, and then the ASM injury that he, that he's had we could have really really been struggling so um another positive another plus for us in terms of the the uh, signing um coming in it cost a lot of money um but did he cost a lot of money in the in the bigger scheme of things probably not 25 million and i think in next this time next year we'll be going 25 million so what and i'll ask both of you you first steve big dan burn uh, i wonder what it's like for dan burn a 29 year old to suddenly find himself back at st james's park actually on the pitch rather than in the stands it must be a dream come true um it must be a dream come true for his family um it's a dream come true for him and I think what he's brought is a solidity and an organisation at the back and a and a balance, a left foot. Um, absolutely, you know, for, for the way that he's come in, um, the knocks he's taken, the, the, the physicality in his game and the way that he's probably, is it fair to say, ousted the skipper and building up a partnership with, with Shaw, with Fabian Shaw. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, to, to coin a phrase that Mitch uses frequently, brick shit house, isn't he? He's solid. He is. He is big, but he can play football. 
for a for a big strapping centre half at six foot seven, um, he's quite comfortable with the ball at his feet, as well as the ball in the air. And you've mentioned it a couple of times, Mitch, the way that he can cushion the header, bring the ball down, the way that he the way that he again can keep the ball flowing, um, and can put the last last ditch tackles in. And I'll look back at that tackle that he put in a couple of weeks ago when the lad was flying down the wing and he just took him out. Um, and that, for me, that that is what you want to see on the centre-half, isn't it? When there's, when it Even when the whistle's no gone, he's been pulled up for, for I think, was it, was it? I'm trying to think who it was now. It was offside, wasn't it? He was offside, exactly. But it, it, it didn't bother him. He was still going to make sure that he left him off. Oh. You know, yeah, without hurting him as well, by the way. It wasn't as though he went in to kill him. We've seen some nope. tackles recently, and there was one in particular that on, on Saturday that went in for, by Mings on, on uh, Saka that was a was an ankle breaker. Um, it wasn't tackled like that. It was literally, let you know I'm still here, wham, last five minutes, and we'll take, I'll take the book and I'll take the pressure off. Because I don't think he heard the whistle, to be perfectly honest, but uh, great. Great to see. Great to see a local lad yes. come back in. Absolutely brilliant. What about you, Mitch? For me, well, for me, it's really simple. He looks like he's been part of the fixtures and fitness for the last five years. He, he just looks that comfortable. Yeah. And that's huge praise for a player coming in, you know. Um, and he doesn't look like he's got overawed or star, starstruck with it either, which he could have been, you know, like like Steve says, local lad returning at 29. Uh, how must you feel? Well, giddy. Must be one of the potential ways to feel. It just doesn't look at all. It looks comfortable as anything. Okay, great stuff. Uh, good to uh, you know do a half term review uh, this week. And um, as I say, a pre recorded show. We haven't let you down though. Only one hour. Well, just over an hour, but uh, still got time uh, to fit uh, all your favourite bits in. And uh, as always, we don't let you down with the lookalikes, and you certainly don't let us down. Um, some uh, again, short a shortage of these this week, uh, but I'll uh, I'll get through them. I've got to find the music though. Where is it? The music's gone. Don't say I've lost the music for lookalikes. I'm definitely getting. I'm either getting blamed or it's or it's being removed. Here it is. I've got it. I was getting worried there, Steve. I thought we were going to have to sing it, and I've seen it's, some singing on a couple of other podcasts, and I thought, no way. It's because I've sa- it's because I've saved the photos as lookalikes, and I'm looking for lookalikes, and it's tune lookalike. That's what it's under. But anyway, we'll go yeah. there in the end. Um, this one was from uh, Harun Gary. He says it can't be Steve Wraith on the left in yellow. If it is him, he's one sneaky bulger holding his secret of being the assistant manager when we could have done with it at St James's Park. It's a good, it's a good likeness that one, mate. Uh, this one is from Kevin. Um, he says, there is a professional Call of Duty player who every time I see reminds me of William <laughs> Kennedy. <laughs> he's got, he's got a, he's got a, Yeah, he's got a bit of a look of him, I suppose. Uh, this, one, this one cropped up on my social media again. Do you remember this? What's that? From yeah. Becky oh. Va- Rebecca Vardy with Mike Ashley, Dennis Wise, Jamie, Rebecca Vardy and Nashira lookalike. Aye. When was that? Dear me, I remember the photo. Look at Dennis Wise. Dear me, looks like Shearer though, doesn't it? Great, uh, great, great, great look like that. Which I noticed, folks. I didn't award myself the top prize. Uh, this one is from <laughs> Jervy. Says uh, it's uh, Mitch. <laughs> oh, looks, like, 
Mitch, after you fell down in, uh, after about uh, after an all night session, you fell down on your way home. I think perhaps who is, but, is that Andy Circus? Is it Andy? That's Andy Circus. I. He's he's the new Alfred, isn't he, in the new Batman film? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it was a decent one. Uh, this one was from Declan. I never knew Steve Hasty was Scottish. <laughs> he's not. He's not. <laughs> uh, this one from Hayden. Look alike, Rocky and Didier Drogba. Yes. Very good. Very good. Thanks. Well spotted. I like that one. And uh, this one was Albert Mooney. Top spot in the lookalikes, The Rock and The Rock. Never lets me down, Albert, does he? <laughs> Even the same name. Uh, this one's from Tom Dixon, John Paris, and Dennis Irwin. Yes, that is good. That is really good. Makes me wonder why I've never seen that before. <laughs> I know it's funny, and some of them come up. And this is the uh, the, the winner this week uh, from Tom Dixon, Brian Cranston, and Jeff Stelling. Wow! Yeah, and see that as well. Yeah. With a shade of Tom Hanks in there as well. With a shade of Tom Hanks in there as well. Yeah, exactly. So uh, good stuff. Keep them coming in, and uh, next week I'll be a bit quicker with the uh, music. Now, as this is a pre-recorded show, we don't have the stats uh, for the Tottenham Hotspur uh, game. We don't have uh, the, you know, the, the team news, etc. Of course, as we record this, the lads are coming back uh, from their trip away in Dubai, where they, they just recorded a five-nil win, which is fantastic. But the Spurs away game is a four-thirty kickoff live on Sky Sports on Sunday, April the third. All of Newcastle's three thousand tickets have been sold and uh, at this moment in time VAR and the referee are waiting to be confirmed but um, we did ask Toon Stato to give us his video Hello lads Tottenham away next week we have uh, 26 games away to Tottenham in the Premier League and we have won 10, which is the most that most wins we have against any opposition in the Premier League. Only against West Ham we also have uh, 10 wins away from home. We also have drawn only two games, one back in the 95-96 season and one, you remember well, last season. And we have 14 defeats. Last season when Callum Wilson scored in the 97th minute from a penalty, it's still the latest goal that Newcastle have scored in the Premier League. While last week against Everton, we conceded the latest goal that we have ever conceded in the 98th minute against uh, Everton and uh, Alex Ayobi. Um, we have a history of scoring late goals uh, away at Tottenham. We have, apart from last year, we have three winners. Uh, in 93-94, Peter Beersley in that famous solo effort at White Hart Lane. Then we have uh, Jermaine Genus in the 2002-2003 season score, scoring a last-minute winner. And of course, Jose Perez back in the 2015-2016 season when he scored also a late winner. Top goal scorer for Newcastle away at Tottenham. Surprisingly, is not Alan Shearer. He has only one goal. But we have six players who have two goals against Tottenham away from home. These are Peter Beersley, Ruel Fox, Les Ferdinand, Nobis Tuano, Ayosa Perez and Ova Martins. Let's see if Joelinton can match them one week from now. Eddie Howe has five games away to Tottenham and five defeats with a pretty bad goal difference of conceded 16 and scoring only three times against Tottenham. Let's see if this can change uh, next week. 
So all the best, the best lads and lasses, I'm gonna change diapers of my newborn son and I have prepared a special outfit for him for the game. I love that. That's fantastic. You sent me the photograph. Congratulations, Andrea, uh, and uh, good luck with those uh, diaper changes and uh, uh, early mornings, late nights, whatever. But just enjoy it, mate. They grow up too uh, quickly. Steve, prediction from uh, from you for the Spurs game, please. Um, before I give a prediction, can I just say that I thought the best goal that I've ever seen scored against Tottenham was that Oberfemi Morton's one. I still think about it now. <laughs> When he hit it in the stride, absolutely brilliant. Um, where will we be against Tottenham? I think that I think we'll come back rejuvenated from this trip to Dubai. I think Tottenham are schizophrenic, um, especially at home. They'll either hammer us or we'll get something. I, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for goals. I'm gonna go for a two-two draw, Steve. Two-two draw. Okay, Mitch. I'll go for a draw. I feel it one one. Uh, I think we'll take a point and I'd be very happy with that. Yeah, I'm going to go for a draw as well. So it's a hat-trick of draws. Uh, I'm going to go for 1-1 one, one, uh, just to be a little bit uh, different. Uh, OK, Julie, uh, it might be a short show, but I haven't let you down. Now, Troll of the Week, uh, often, it's been one of those things, some people don't like it. People think that we should stop it. Uh, people say that we shouldn't have it. It's uh, it's old hat. It just gives these people, uh, you know, a chance of having a platform. Uh, other people absolutely love it. Julie loves the music. Um, so, you know, for me, I am going to continue to do it for now. And I did just I did just like this one. Um, I was promoting uh, NUFC Matters, as I do on Twitter. Uh, Leon put, don't care, Baldy. <laughs> And shit, but wow, you sure did tell them. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Shane. Uh, we do get people who like to stick up for us. Uh, so it wasn't as severe as it could have been. It was a little troll of the week, but uh, nonetheless, it means that I can play the music twice for Judy. Okay, that's all for this week. Thanks to Steve and Mitch for uh, getting out of their uh, family uh, routines just to come and help me out because obviously I had to pre-record it this week. I've done, we've gone, done over time this week. But uh, thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Steve. Have a great weekend. I'll see you live next week. Great. Take, Take care, care, everyone. Um...